0: Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here
1: is your host,
0: Annette Tali.
1: Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Tali, and my guest today is the wonderful Pili Yarusi. Well, hi, everyone. So let me read uh, a little bit about Pili. Pili is a wonderful woman, amazing wife, loving mommy, and an awesome human. She has partnered with her equally awesome husband, Jason, and created Jaruzzi Holdings LLC, a large multifamily investment firm. Currently, they are general partners in about 800 units with 250 under direct asset management. Her focus is on large multifamily syndication and asset management. She has a goal of $450 million in asset under management. Philly's high action steps are providing her investors with capital preservation by looking for B and C class assets in 20 to $50 million range. Her markets include Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida. Welcome, Philly. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into real estate?
0: Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on. Um, so, how did I get into real estate? So, back in 2013, 2014, uh, Jason, I just kind of made the switch. We were in, we were living in New York. We were running restaurants, and we decided to have our first child so in 2014 we moved to new jersey and there was no way i was going to run a bar there was no way i was gonna work at a restaurant and jason's family has been in construction for 40 50 you know sometimes 60 years depending on when you uh when you talk to my father-in-law and they do they do it's really interesting what my family does they actually raise homes. They take flood ravaged homes for the most part. Sometimes it's just people just need to fix their foundations, but for the most part it's flood ravaged homes and they lift it and they fix the foundations and it's a really, it's a niche market that they're in. So, for a while, they've been thinking about, they had been thinking about getting into investment real estate. So lo and behold, Jason and I moved to New Jersey. I get my real estate license while I'm pregnant. We start our entire journey. We're flipping. We're wholesaling. We're up-leveling. One day, I go to a RIA meeting, and I meet this gentleman that's doing turnkey. And he's like, this is what I do. These are some of the properties that I have. I was like, oh, you know, I'm not really interested in turnkey. But if you have some duplexes or some like multi-families, I'll look at that. Took a look at a couple of multi-families and these were in Indiana and I had no idea what Indiana was about. We did some market research. We looked into it, we looked into these uh these properties and lo and behold, the numbers were outstanding. So we bought two of those. But the thing is what we did with this um, turnkey provider is we told them, you know, put your fee on top we're going to treat you like a wholesaler and then you're going to take care of the construction. You're going to take, a, take care of managing the asset. You're going to take care of property management. Um, but I want to pay for the property in advance. So we got sort of a discount on the property. A year later, we, okay, so during this, that year, we, we were doing really well. You know, it was just, it was two, it was two duplexes though. So, you know, if anything was, if one of the duplexes was empty, we'd basically be 25%, you know, out of pocket. So during this time, and I'm not usually the person that brings on the big ideas. It's usually Jason who brings on the big ideas. So of course, Jason takes this amazing idea that I have you know, investing out of, real, out, of, uh, out of New Jersey because the price points are so much lower. And he goes, well, if, if we can do it with two duplexes, can't we do it with 10 units, 50 units, 100 units, 500 units? And my, my mind's exploding. I think we're pregnant with our second child at the time. So like, I, had the, I had to have this like, mind shift. And I think we'll get into that later. So out of that mind shift came large multifamily. And that's basically how we got into real estate. And now we are focused only on large multifamily. We have one more flip that we're we're selling. It's actually under contract. And then we are totally in large multifamily.
1: That is awesome.
0: The Deal.
1: So, what deal are we, are we talking about today? So, we are actually going
0: to talk about our first large multifamily deal. It was a 94 unit in uh, in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. And the reason why this deal is so great to talk about is that we actually proved the concept. We purchased the property in early 2017 and we actually just sold it. And we made a pretty profit for ourselves, our investors and everybody involved and it was a great property. And it just goes to show why this asset class is so amazing.
1: All right, so how did you find this one?
0: So this one, well, to take a few steps back, in order to get into large multifamily, it's hugely different than flipping and wholesaling. you need more education so we found a mentor we got into the we got into the mindset of it like i was saying before and we started digging into into markets so you really 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 need to start understanding the terms and the ratios of large multifamily cuz it's hugely different from flipping and wholesaling like i said before um and then you really, really have to dig deep into the market. So while we were flipping and wholesaling, we were basically in our backyard. So we knew the market, it was really easy. Whereas to invest out of state, you really first you have to pick a market and then you have to look for things like job growth and diversity, population growth, supply shortage, path of progress, new construction cap. I mean, there's so many things that you You need to look for when you're finding a market. And number one, the number one thing we actually looked for, Kentucky, my sister-in-law lives there. So we had boots on the ground, even though, even though your boots on the ground might not have previous knowledge of real estate, they can tell you what the markets and sub markets are like. And then we really, really dug deep and like started to evaluate the property, started to really know our numbers and underwriting. And our mentor really, really helped with that. I mean, I'm going to give a little bit of kudos to Joe Fairless. He's the one that really kind of up-leveled what we were able to do because yes, without a mentor, maybe we could have done it by like reading books, figuring things out, talking to brokers, but having a mentor you don't know what you don't know so you have to figure out those those questions to ask and then creating your brand and really really getting yourself out there so to how we found this property so this was a property that we found in uh Kentucky and it was actually this was the one that was brought to us by a broker and we put out an offer at 2.1 million. They wanted
1: 3.2. Wow,
0: that's amazing. So, and then they counted back at 3.2, and so we moved on. Um, but the thing is, and this is this is a huge key for your listeners: is you need you need to follow up. Get a little investor spreadsheet if you don't have it, and keep these. Properties on there make sure you have follow up and follow up and follow up and keep on following up because we came back to them like I was saying we followed up with this one eight months later and we offered fifty thousand dollars more than our original offer and they came back at two point three so basically we went fr- we got them down from three point two to two point three million down purchase price. And that was basically 25, 24.5 per door. You can't get that anymore in Kentucky. Like I think it's double that now. And at wow. the time the appraised value was 2.6. Um, so yeah, that's how we got into it. That was the purchase price.
1: Wow. So let me, was this your first syndication?
0: Yes. This is our first syndication. This is a first large multifamily deal. Um, it was I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, it was a little nerve wracking and most of like the footwork and everything was was done by Jason and I and and our partner Kevin and really getting into like just really the mindset 'cause at this at the time I was just I was still like oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I think I'm going to concentrate. We're still flipping and wholesaling and we're still doing everything and getting into this. So for your flippers and wholesalers out there that are afraid that they're too busy, you're not, if you really want to get into it, then just dive in.
1: You got to focus on that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So it was on the market or was it like an off-market deal?
0: No, it was on the market.
1: It was on the market and then you just kept following on it and then six, eight months after, you offer again and then you got it for a really amazing discounted price. Yes. That is amazing. It helps
0: I mean it helps to follow up and you create you create camaraderie with the other broker, with your broker. They know that you are there, that you're willing to work with them. You show them your numbers. Number oh, that's key. Be like, okay, it's great that you want 2.3 or 3.2, but the numbers don't work. This is my numbers. This is what works for me. This is how I can make it work and make it work for my investors. And we can close and we can close quick. And this is our timeline. This is our business plan. This is what we want to do. Let us know what you're thinking.
1: And right. go from there. Absolutely. All right. So then you are already under contract. Um, so what were the points that you negotiated? What type of things were you pointing out that, they were, that, that helped you negotiate that?
0: That helped us negotiate it. Yeah. Well, a lot of it was that they were tired owners; they wanted out. Um, Their, I mean, their leasing, their operations were really, really bad. I mean, there were so many things that we had to go in and fix, and there were so many things that we just were able to negotiate on and bring them back down. And plus, they just really wanted. To sell so and we were the only ones who were following up
1: right and after eight months they were they were ready to do it right they yes. were waiting and waiting and then at eight months you follow up and then they are ready to do it now yes awesome so how did you find how did you fund these deals
0: so we ended up syndicating it and I, the thing is about syndication is we brought together a bunch of other investors to fund this deal and so this was our first one and we weren't sure what we were doing and asking people for money and that's the mindset i had at the time for me was really 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 difficult because i hadn't changed the mindset so when you're syndicating a deal don't think think about it as asking people for money you're providing them an opportunity. I was providing them an opportunity that in the end, when we exit out of this property, provided them with uh, 30, like over 30% IRR and over 30% ROI on their investment. So when you're thinking about and going out there and putting your deals out there and your syndications out there, don't think about the money. Think about how you can help your fellow investors, your family members. I mean, we raised most of the funds from, from people that we knew for this first deal. For our next and our following deals, we actually, for, we actually you know, put our hand out a little further. But for this, see how you can help the people around you.
1: All right. Awesome. That is awesome. All right. So tell me about the exit. I know you said that you already sold this property. So tell me what did you do once you took over and and how did this um, property work?
0: So we did so much right to this property. We Uh, Transition new management onto the property. We uh, we did like a better screening and collections process. We completed all of our six and twelve months repairs in less than five months, and we created a tenant referral program that allowed new great tenants to refer their friends, and then they would to to live there. And then we implemented a move-in fee instead of a deposit that goes directly to our bottom line. So it was. This was a great property to be in. We also, we also installed a water savings plan that cut our water bill by almost 30%. And that, I mean, that was huge. We, that like, that provided an increase in the building value of uh, $325,000. So that was huge just by water savings.
1: So how, how um, does that work? How is that program, a uh, water preservation program work?
0: Uh, We, I mean, we did things like put in um, low flush toilets. We put in aerators into like the little spigots. We, I mean, it was just like the small things that you can do to your apartments equal big
1: savings. Right. Yeah. That that is amazing because a lot, also a lot of these old toilets, they are leaking and you don't know. And that's a waste. And if you are paying for the utilities that in 94 units, you have... 94 instances where you're losing money
0: exactly exactly so we went into every unit and made sure that we could find as much cost savings as we could and we also and i have to tell you this story so so this was this was a bc-ish neighborhood and the building that was across like the way from ours had our tenants were complaining about the crime that was in that building. So we actually had the Louisville Metro police use one of our units to do a stakeout so they could watch that building. And from what I heard, they actually caught the building, but they caught the people that were causing the crime. And so we actually also made the area, the crime rate of the area go down lower and made it a better place to live because now our tenants knew that we were taking care of things and making the area safer.
1: Ah, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, we also
0: put in a laundry contract on the building that put two laundry rooms in order for use. And this was actually a laundry facility that all other buildings would come and use because there was no other laundry in the area. And then, like I said, we just made the building much, a much safer place to live.
1: Right so you said that you changed the management so were the people before managing it themselves or their management just wasn't uh, managing properly this property They were managing it themselves Oh they were okay yeah. so definitely there was a lot of room for improvement Yes <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing so did did you mention how much were you able to raise the rent per unit
0: uh no, we raised the rent. I believe we did about fifty dollars rent increase on each of the units for this one. Right when you um took over, or as you oh as no 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 no, it. and we don't do that to any of our buildings or any of our tenants. What we do is we go in and we make the place a better place to live. We show our tenant base that we are going to take care of them first and then we put them on a series of like if somebody's lease is coming up we give them choices they can either re-rent the apartment as is for a nominal rent raise or they can move into one of our renovated apartments because we already know this tenant base this tenant let's call him tenant joe is an awesome tenant he pays on time he might have a dog so gay pet fees um and we want to move him up so we can get into his unit that needs work, repair that, and then bring that up to market rent. So if he moves, we don't take him all the way up to market rent, but we get close, but just under so he knows, oh, I'm, st- I'm still being taken care of. So no, we don't re- raise rents immediately because we want to know, because they're going to know that we're new management. We've just taken over the building. We don't want to lose our tenant base by just like saying, oh, well, market Rent, say that you're supposed to be $50 higher, so I'm going to bump it up $50. No, you want to show that you're going to fix the building first.
1: Absolutely. That is a great way to, to get your tenants to be loyal to you, right? Like oh, by offering them a little bit of a discount from the market rates that you're going to be getting on the new ones.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, I mean, as syndicators and large multifamily providers, I hear a lot of people talking about our duties to our investors, our fiduciary duty to the investors, how much money we're making the investors. But we have to keep in mind the tenants that we're taking over the building for. We are now, now we have a fiduciary duty. Now we have a duty towards them to provide them with an excellent, excellent living space and just jacking up their rents just because we happen to be new owners that see that, see the value in this building that's just i don't know i think that's rude
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how how do you handle problem tenants for, for example so now you inherited 92 or 90 something people that um mm-hmm. that you started learning if they were good or bad like if they were paying on time and so how did you handle the ones that you didn't want to keep in the building
0: Well, unfortunately, any problem tenants, you do have to go through the eviction process. I mean, you give them a chance, you give them a few chances. And once they're red lighted, and they need to go, then they really need to go. The thing is, we have an excellent management company. I rarely hear the evictions, I see the numbers, but I know that if a tenant is being evicted, it's for a good reason. And we won't, we actually won't evict people for late payments. Some people just can't pay on time and they'd rather have a safe place to live and pay the extra money a month than not. So we don't evict people for that. <coughs> it's more for like misconduct or you know negative things like that. It's never for they can't pay. As long as they pay, we're good.
1: Right. So how did you find your management people, your management company? Talk,
0: talk to as many people as possible. I mean, we looked at a few management companies when we got in, um, but you really want to have your team in place before you start putting in like offers. You want to know who you're going to be working with. You want to talk to brokers. You want to talk to you want to talk to property management companies. You want to interview people. You want to talk to other investors that are in the market. Um, you just really want to just reach out to as many people as possible and create your team because your property manager, they become you on the ground. So you want to make sure that you can work with them, that they'll listen to you and listen to your business plan and carry out your business plan, but also be smart enough to know when they have to pivot or take the problems as they come. And also they have to be good communicators because if they're not good communicators, then you're gonna have problems down the road.
1: Absolutely, and you have to be on the same page, right? Like your property manager has to be on the same page as you, uh, like you said, to carry out your your business plan because if you're disagreeing on, you know, what do you want them to do, then they are just gonna start doing whatever they are used to do and not carry your business plan.
0: Exactly, 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 so just talk to as many people as you can when you're looking for well any team member really when you're looking for brokers when you're looking for lawyers when you're looking for your team members you keep on talking to people and that's how you find the good ones
1: awesome and from this this was your first indication what was your biggest uh, takeaway from the whole experience because you had to basically start from zero because you were doing flipping uh, but that's a totally different beast than syndication so this was kind of like your test drive for syndication what was your biggest takeaway
0: oh there was there were really so many that's a great question um my biggest takeaway was really for me it was the mindset shift from working with one house one seller one roof to well, basically one roof, but multiple tenants, multiple lives. And now I am not in charge of, but I have a say on how their lives are going to go now because I am providing them with a a space to live. Um, Really opening myself to raising money. Again, I'm, I'm doing air quotes. I don't like that term raising money. It's providing opportunity.
1: All right. So tell me how much did you sell this property for now that you exited?
0: So we ended up selling the property for 3978000 Wow.
1: That is above and beyond what we
0: thought we were going to get it. And we actually, when we bought the property we had a holding period of anywhere from five to ten years we underwrote into ten years thinking that we were going to hold on to this property but out of the blue an investor called up our broker and said i have an offer we looked at it we negotiated we came to this price and then we actually had a couple more offers come in um, which really really i guess strengthened our holding And we never put it on market we, um, I think we had actually five offers total, but we ended up going with the first person because we believe that usually the first is the strongest, and he raised his offer and made it very, very lucrative. So our investors did really, really well on this one.
1: That is amazing. So you did mm-hmm. it in under the time that you were thinking. You yes. had a much better return, and yes. you also sold it at the right time. Yes. <laughs> That is amazing. Expert tips. So now you're going to give me three tips about mindset. And we were talking a little bit about mindset before. So what are your three tips to, for people to really um, change their mindset? Because I am in that place where I am. I really want to do large multifamily, but I'm still thinking about the small buildings.
0: Well, the thing is, you have to think. Number one, you have to think bigger. Because just think about when you first started. And this is for all your listeners. When you first started, you're like, oh my goodness, I, I want to buy this property. I have to either find the money myself or I, I like you don't know anything. So you go and you educate yourself. You go on bigger pockets. You read a book. It's the same thing when you take that step into buy and hold into large multifamily you keep on educating yourself and as you educate yourself your mindset gets stronger but first you have to dream bigger so if you have the dream to get into larger markets to get into larger buildings because for instance jason and i we want to have 450 million dollars of assets under management i don't i'm not sure how many units that's going to turn into but that is our goal we don't have a time goal on that though because we don't know what the market's going to do but we know that that's our goal that's what we want so that allows us to think bigger put that bigger number into your head so that's that's number one number two and this is more for me i had to get over myself i had to get over my i don't know if i am worth this mindset I don't know if if I'm gonna be able to do this I don't know if people uh, will actually sell their buildings to me uh, you know all the all the like negative thoughts in your head you have to start meditating and you have to start clearing your mind and let yourself know that you got this you can do this and if this is what you want you go get it number three. So number three on how to change your mindset. And I think I mentioned this before, open up a book, listen to a podcast, and this is for all your listeners out there. If you're listening to this podcast, you already got one of them down. I listened to a copious amount of podcasts when I first got into large multifamily because it was an asset class that I had never thought of. I mean, like flipping and wholesaling, all these, like, not wholesaling, but flipping, you see it on HGTV. It's all over the place. It's glamorized. It's like, look what I can do. You can do it too. And look at all the money I make and glitz and glamor and cars. You don't see an HGTV show on large apartment buildings it's nothing like, I don't, I'm not even sure how you would glamorize it, but you know that you, if you open a book, if you listen to a podcast, if you find a mentor, by all means, find a mentor, join, join a Facebook group and talk to other people that are in the industry, really get out there. Cause the thing is that I found, especially with this asset class, is people are so open on teaching and telling other people their story and letting them know that this is something that they can do.
1: That is awesome advice. And it's so true. You know, networking with people in, you know, meetups, not you know, that meeting them in person, it will give give you more uh, access to them too. If you are going Mm -hmm. to these, you know, Facebook groups, join the actual meetups. Because then yes. you're gonna meet people in person, and they're gonna be willing to give you all this information that they already know, that they already learned, and that's how you start learning. And then you gotta keep educating. Absolutely, I think that uh, that is really good advice.
0: Pili, yes, this has I... been
1: amazing. Tell me. Well, 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 oh, well, well. something. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Well, I was also gonna say about
0: mentorship. Um, mentors out there, especially in large multifamily space, they can be really expensive, but the higher you go, the more, the, the more worth it, it is. And really, but the, do your due diligence, make sure those people that you're paying to teach you know what they're doing. Number one, And number two, you have to be willing to learn. Don't pay somebody. And this has happened in the past to me. Don't pay somebody your good hard earned money. If you're not going to take the time to learn. Do that when you are absolutely ready, when you're going to hand the person the check and day one start and don't stop because it's your money. You paid for it. You use it and you use it wisely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you know, if you're, especially if you're paying, you have to take action. Not just like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to learn it once I finish all this. I'm going to take action. No, day one, you got to start and go with it. Absolutely. Yes. All right, Billy, where can people find you?
0: Oh, so you can find me in a couple of places. Number one being my website www.yreciholdings.com. Or if you're looking for mentorship, you can also look us up, Jason and I at multifamilyfoundation.com, or find me on Facebook. I'm there all the time, Instagram. I'm also on TikTok, but most of that stuff is uh fitness related. <laughs>
1: Awesome, Philly. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know we both had crazy schedules with the kids, and uh, it's been uh, an interesting recording today uh, with all the interruptions we had with the kids, but thank you so much for making it happen.
0: Thank you. I'm honored to be here, and from one mama to another, you are doing amazing.
1: Thank you, my friend. Thank you guys for listening. Bye-bye. This was Deal
0: Closers with Annette Talley, brought to you by Talley Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.talleyinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.